Are you stuck in the spiral of not feeling good enough? Welcome to Power to the People Pleasers. My name is Amy Ballantyne, and I'm so excited to have my guest, Elaine, here. Thank you so much for being here, Elaine. Thank you for having me, Amy. So, Elaine, you have tremendous experience, background. I, As I was preparing for today, I was just excited to be with you. You are such a servant leader. 30 years of clinical work, military, political, teaching experience. My goodness, you have been busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I also want to thank you for your service in Afghanistan you. from 2008 to 2010. That is just, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. So thank you for that. I, I, it, it means a lot to me to get to meet someone like you who've gone uh, and, and, and served in that way. And, and I know that you also do work as a licensed clinical social worker, and that's really what we're going to dig in today. Right, right, right. You know, people hear these different labels, you know, professional counselor, social worker, psychologist, and, you know, as far as the disciplines go, there's a lot of overlap. It really depends on the kind of work that you do. So those of us who are in private practice may have any number of degrees, um, but we all essentially do the same work. So when people hear social worker, um, they may think of the more traditional type of social work, you know, case management type of stuff. The, actually, the only time I came close to doing that kind of work was when I was in the army because we handled domestic violence cases. But, but beyond that, most of my work has been in private practice, my own practice, actually. So, so my background is very clinical, and I also have a bachelor's in psychology. So, so yeah, I really look forward to talking with your listeners or to your listeners, um, because I have a lot to say about this topic. Amazing. Amazing. Well, you know, I'd love to hear first off, has uh, you ever, have you ever had a people pleasing experience in your life? <laughs> most of my life, most of my life, um, I, I have, and I, I tell people this story. Um, I had my my Bed Bath and Beyond moment. That was my my moment of enlightenment. <laughs> um, I was coming out of Bed Bath and Beyond, and I started rehashing. I don't know if it was something I said, something about the conversation, and I stopped myself and I said, "What am I doing?" Right, mm -hmm. and I recognized that this was almost like an addiction, right? And I realized that what was going on is I was afraid of not doing it, that, that I was using this as a coping mechanism to avoid rejection and failure. In other words, I have to analyze this. I have to go over it. I have to rehash it because if I don't, then I'm going to do it again. Right. And so for, I, I remember literally I said to myself, I'm getting in my car. And I'm driving away and I'm never looking back. And that's what I did. And I don't mean that I actually never looked back. But what I meant was that was the start of it, right? Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I started to, when I noticed myself doing it, I did thought stopping, which, you know, your listeners may be aware of what that is, but basically stopping myself. But there's something we call the buy-in, right? In order for somebody to let go of a coping mechanism, 
they have to have something to replace it with and they have to have feel like, okay, I'm ready to let go of this. I'm not afraid to let go of this because I realize that it's, it's undermining me and that I need to be doing this instead. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I had to reach that point and that can only come from insight which I call the seed for change. Because if you don't have that insight, if you don't understand why you're doing it, what purpose it's serving, why it's not really working and what works better, people mm-hmm. aren't going to change. And so, yeah. so that's, um, that's what I needed to do. And, and here's the, the ironic thing is that once I stopped doing it, I actually, my confidence got better. I mean, I got more mm-hmm. confident. And I was surprised by that because I come from a place that, you know, feelings dictate thoughts, which dictate behavior. You know, I'm, I'm more from that clinicals as opposed to more from the cognitive. I use a lot of cognitive intervention, but I'm insight oriented. And so, so I, I was surprised when I stopped doing all of that ruminating that it actually, how much it was impacting my self-confidence. So it becomes a vicious cycle because we already have this, this issue of feelings of inadequacy, which I can talk about, which feeds this coping mechanism. And then the coping mechanism right back into, into uh, affecting our self-esteem. Wow. Well, I appreciate that you're sharing this because it it adds a layer. For me, especially, that I'm not alone and people-pleasing has been a coping mechanism (laughs) for not feeling. I got to say this. I got to say this because especially with women, you know, they'll come to me and they'll go, you know, I'm really hard on myself. Like, this is like a revelation. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you and everybody else with two X chromosomes. Yeah. I mean, it, if you're listening out there, you are not alone. And in mm-hmm. fact, most men do it too. And, and that's what I like to explain to people is what I have learned over the years and, and talking with other therapists, you know, have observed the same thing is that everybody's walking around with these feelings of inadequacy. I'm not good enough. I'm not deserving. And there's something inherently wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there's time, I can explain where I think that's coming from. But there's yeah. that. And then there's the fact that we have these innate fears, fear of rejection, fear of failure. And the third one is fear of harm to self or others. But in this case, the two that apply are fear of rejection, fear of failure. So if you think about it. We already fear rejection and failure. That's just innate. But on top of that, we feel inadequate. So what are we going to do? We're going to overcompensate. And the way that people have learned to overcompensate in our society is by relying on cognition. Um, And that's because that's all we know. And this is kind of touches on a larger problem in our society, um, which is, you know, how we, we deal with feelings, right? We, we don't know how to deal with feelings. And, you know, as we get older, right, and we develop cognitively, you know, that's a good thing. You know, we don't want to be, you know, 35 years old and having a temper tantrum because we dropped our ice cream. So that's a good thing. But it's like it, we overdo it right? We rely Mm -hmm. too much on it. So what do we end up doing? We end up talking ourselves out of our feelings, overanalyzing Mm -hmm. them, judging ourselves. 
And so what I began to realize was that people engage in these five types of what we call ruminating in our, in our field is called ruminating, which is mind reading, second guessing, anticipating, comparing, and self-criticizing. Mm -hmm. Do those five types of thought exercises, if you will. And most of the time it's unconscious. And then they buy into it. So then they're having this conversation with what I call the bully, right? Mm -hmm. Right. When that's not really the issue, that's what I try to tell people is when you're arguing with that negative voice in your head, what you're doing is you're arguing with a coping mechanism, mm -hmm. right? And so that's yeah. what my aha moment was um, outside of Bed Bath & Beyond was realizing that this is a coping mechanism. And what is it that I'm real? I'm afraid mm. of being myself because yeah. I don't trust myself. I'm good enough the way that I am. I'm inadequate. So I have mm. to do these things. Right. And that doesn't mean that we throw up our hands and say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't need to, I'm good the way that I am. I, I don't need to improve in any way. No, but there's a healthier way of going about it right? Mm -hmm. Wait, that way is negative, right? Yeah. Plus it undermines another innate, um, uh, I guess you, uh, another innate quality. I can't think of the word, right. That we have, which is feelings. We're talking mm -hmm. ourselves out of our feelings, right. And yeah. we're shutting them down and, and feelings are like our survival mechanism, right? If I touch a hot stove, what's going to happen? It's going to hurt. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Because if it didn't, I would leave my hand there and I would burn my hand. Yeah. If I don't eat for days, I experience hunger. And if I didn't, I could starve myself to death. Mm -hmm. So we have feelings for the same reason, right? They are information that there's a need that you're not meeting or a threat that you're ignoring. Right. Yeah. And so what we want to do is we want to tune into those feelings mm -hmm. and, you know, with anxiety, with anxiety, anytime you feel anxious, that's telling you you're feeling out of control of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's, again, that's what it's there for. It's there to help you, but to help you to problem solve, to say, where, what am I feeling out of control about and what's in my control? Yes. Yes. So what other strategies do you have to help individuals who are struggling with people pleasing? Oh, oh, I got a good one. So, <laughs> so you, let me see. Um, what happened is um, growing up, one of the most important roles of a parent is to be what we call a mirroring object. Right. And that's how children mm -hmm. get a sense of self, sense of self-confidence. But the problem is, is that most people don't get consistent mirroring. Some may get very little positive mirroring. Right. So what we go out into the world and we're still using people as mirrors and we're not conscious of it, mm -hmm. but that's what we're doing. Right. So that's yeah. why we we people please is because we're dependent on other people for a sense of self or self-worth. Right. So. Mm -hmm. We overcompensate in our relationships, particularly with women, because we are so relationship oriented, right? It's, I mean, yes, mm -hmm. we do care, right, um, about our relationships, but part of it is, um, is, is a, a kind of a, a coping mechanism, right? Um, you might say, but self-serving in that it's like, if this person likes me, accepts me, then I know that I'm okay because I'm using that person as a mirror. Well, here's the problem. Yeah. 
take it from a therapist. Most people do not know how to manage their feelings well, and they don't know how to communicate their feelings. So when you're ba- when you're using somebody else as a mirror, what you're doing is you're basing your sense of self or self-worth or competence on dysfunctional coping skills, dysfunctional communication skills, right? And besides that, nobody else can decide your self-worth but you, right? Yeah. So we have to separate out worth from our behavior. We can make mistakes. We can hurt people's feelings, right? You know, et cetera. But that has nothing to do with our worth as a person, right? Mm-hmm. You're still worthy. You're still good enough. You're still deserving, right? Yeah. So, so number one is don't use people as mirrors. But the mm-hmm. second one is, so people say, well, what do I do instead? Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what happens is people, it's called, I call it a cup with a hole in it, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to be your own mirror, then needing that, that cup to be filled, right? That reassurance, mm-hmm. that, that feedback from other people. And so what you do instead is you self-validate. And this is where my patients go, how do I do that? I'm like, you already do it. You already do it. Women in particular. So I have two techniques. One I call be your own best friend. Now, if you have a child, then it's even better, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I say I, I like to use children's, I like to use people's children against them. Because you had, if you if you're talking to your child, would you say to your child now, if you want to avoid rejection and failure, here's what you need to do, Sally. You need to mind read. You need to second guess mm-hmm. yourself. You need to anticipate. <laughs> you need to compare yourself to others, and you need to self criticize. Would you say those things? Of course no. not. <laughs> and what do we say to uh, to other people we care about? We say, don't worry about what other people think. Just be yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you already know how to self-validate because you do it for other people all the time. Mm -hmm. And so what I tell people is if you catch yourself talking negatively, being mean to yourself or doing any of those five things, stop yourself and ask yourself, would I say this to somebody that I care about? If you have a child, would I say this to my child? And chances are the answer is no. Yeah. And then ask yourself, what would I say instead? Because those are the things that you should be saying to yourself. Why? Because when we talk to other people, we're talking from a place of value and a place of rational mind. When we're Mm -hmm. talking to ourselves, we're talking from a place of insecurity and fear. So, So we don't talk to ourselves well. Um, so that, that's be your own best friend. And that's, again, when you're catching yourself being mad, mean to yourself. Now, if somebody else is making you feel bad about yourself, then you do what I call opposite of the golden rule. So we all know what the golden rule is, right? Be Treat others the way you want to be treated. Well, the opposite of the golden rule is you have a right to be treated the way you treat other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody does or says something that makes you feel bad about yourself, makes you question yourself, um, et cetera, ask yourself if the situation reversed, would I handle it the way they're handling it? Would I say to them the things they're saying to me? And again, 
chances are the answer is going to be no, right? And so mm -hmm. that gives you some perspective about your values versus their values, more likely their, their coping mechanisms. Because again, most people don't know how to handle their feelings or express them. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, what happens is I can give you a little example with my daughter. Um, three times in a row, I went to pick her up from college and she was asleep. And <laughs> and so the third time um, and, and I'm not have to do is I have to go to the front desk and get somebody to go up to her dorm room and knock on her door to wake her up. So so <laughs> the third time it happened, um, I said to her, I said, Emily, what is wrong with you? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and really what I was feeling was frustrated. Right. Yeah. And I apologized, you know, I immediately apologized. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I said to her, okay, I'm, I'm feeling frustrated. You know, that we've got to do something about this. And that's what we did. We problem solved. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you see the difference, right. But we don't yes. think about that. We're feeling something, and we're acting on that feeling, but we're not speaking in terms of feelings. Mm -hmm. And the second one is so much less threatening, right? Yeah, yeah, so and less say, damaging. Really right now. Exactly, right. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a pretty mild one, right? You know, I mean, we, mm -hmm. we hear much worse from people, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's why sure. I say people mean well, but they just don't realize that that that's what they're mm -hmm. doing that they're that they're acting on feelings. Yes. And language is so powerful. The words that we choose to say to others, the words that we choose to say to ourselves, so crazy powerful. <laughs> Absolutely. I um, put out uh, on Twitter, it's, it's an hour and a half. I apologize. I was just kind of <laughs> I, I was just kind of going off the top of my head, but I have what I created was the 15 principles of communication. Oh, awesome. And I tell people that um, communication is a lot more complicated than people realize because it's really about how we're relating to each other, right? Mm -hmm. It's less about technique and more about understanding the context in which we are relating to each other, which is like an example I just gave you. And so I noticed these patterns. And when I finally sat down and decided, you know, I'm going to write these down. I was like shocked that it, there was 15 of them yeah. um, that I'd actually been teaching my patients. So, so I went through those on spaces on Twitter. So if you're willing to kind of listen through it. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Is there one that you were like, this was, would be the most shocking maybe? Well, I think, I think the one that may be most, most helpful and relevant to most people is what I call perception and intent. Okay. Right. So there's, there's no right and wrong. What there is is perception and intent mm -hmm. and both are valid. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's just say that I said to my daughter, right, what were you thinking? And she said, well, you know, I, I was up late last night, you know, uh, working on some homework and I didn't mean to, I just fell back asleep waiting for you, et cetera, et cetera. So this is what we do. Somebody has a feeling, right? Yeah. And they don't usually express it in terms of feelings. They don't say, I'm really frustrated. They said, what were you, what were you thinking? Um, and, um, and so, and so then the other person says, I am going to explain myself. And once I explain myself, you're not going to be upset anymore. 
right? But what the other person <laughs> hears is you're wrong for the way that you think and feel. And here's this really good reason why. So mm. I tell people, resist it. Resist trying to explain yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Just acknowledge the person's feelings, right? Yeah. And if you're that's not sure cool. what they are, just ask. And again, that's how they feel. It doesn't matter whether your intent was. You can have good intentions and they mm -hmm. still feel the way they feel. Now, mind you, just because you feel the way that you feel doesn't mean that their intentions don't matter either, right? And that's why I say communication is really about un reaching understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what you meant. Oh, that's how I made you feel. And if pe both people keep that in mind for the future or figure out how do we want to move forward with this, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. I love that one. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So you... <sighs> You talked about a lot of things. You talked about coping mechanisms, learning to self-validate. Um, I wanted to bring up your podcast before we wrap up today. The podcast is titled, It's More Complicated Than You Think. And, and for those uh, watching the video, it's on the screen there. You, you mentioned in your podcast, life-altering solutions that you provide. So I'd love to know, you've done so many podcasts. What is one example of a life-altering solution that you provided? to someone. Oh my gosh. See, what happens is, is the things that I'm sharing with you are what I call my mantras. I have tons mm -hmm. of them and mm -hmm. I've never heard anybody else. I, I have a way of um, taking complex ideas and condensing them into pictures in people's heads, right? Or three-step yeah. strategies. And, and so I know that they're life altering because I use them with my patients all the time. But what I would say to people, um, you know, I talked about feelings. That's that's a, a life altering one, right? Yes. Um, but um, oh god, I had one in my head. I was going to share, but I can't think of what it is right now. So, oh yeah, I remember now. Okay, about anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that happens is remember anxiety. When we feel anxiety, it means we're feeling out of control about something. Mm -hmm. And so what me most people do is they try to control as much as possible, right? Um, but you can't ever control every outcome. You know, you can't predict every outcome, rather. You can't control every variable, right? So what you do is you try to control the things that you can, but here's the secret. The secret is in developing coping skills. So one of my mantras is we don't have a crystal ball, but what we can have is a toolbox full of coping skills that we take with us wherever we go. The more coping skills you have, the more um, confident you feel in your abilities to handle whatever comes your way. So, yeah. so when, when people, what I find is that a lot of times when people are anxious, what it is is they don't trust themselves that they're going to be able to handle it, Right. And most of the time they can, but what will help you is the more coping skills you learn, the more confident you're going to feel, if that makes sense. Yes. I love that. I love that. Amazing. So Elaine, you had shared, there are some book recommendations that you wanted to share. Can you remind us of that, please? Um, okay. Well, let's see. For the two that cut off the top of my head, um, one is for parenting. 
And I know that's not what this podcast is about, but, um, but it is important in terms of raising your kids, right. And, Mm -hmm. and making sure that they're not, but don't become people pleasers also. And it's called how to talk. So kids will listen and listen. So kids will talk. And then there's a teen version. Um, and Adele Faber, F-A-B-E-R is one of the two authors. And the other Mm -hmm. one, if you deal with anxiety a lot, um, is a book called the anxiety and phobia workbook. And that's Mm -hmm. by Edmund, Born, born, it's E D M U N D, and then it's born B O U R N E. Um, if you like books on uh, self esteem, um, you know, uh, um, you may have already heard of um, Brene Brown, she's she's mm-hmm. a, a good one, so yes, yes, amazing, amazing. Final thoughts, Elaine, to wrap up our conversation today that you'd like to share. Well, my goal in doing this is because of where we are as a society, you know, people are hurting both on an individual level and we're hurting on a, on a social level. And that's why I'm doing all of this. So what I would just say to you is that psychology has a lot of answers for you. And so I hope that you will seek them out because we're not hearing a lot of that on mainstream media. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Thank why I'm you doing so much. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate that you have your own podcast again. It's called It's More Complicated Than You Think. I hope people will go and check that out as well. I'll place a link in the notes. Thank you, Elaine, for being here today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And for all of our listeners, I want to thank you once again for tuning into this episode of Power to the People Pleasers. Stay tuned for the next one coming soon. Have a great day.